Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about how to keep your kids out of Neverland when they never want to grow up. Because in a world where every semi-adult wants to go back to being a child and have zero responsibilities, how do you get your already immature child ready to be an adult? Now, some kids are born grown-ups. My oldest has the responsibility levels of a 45-year-old CEO of a multi-billion dollar organization. She was just born this way. But my second child has strengths in other places. And while his is attributed to his inattentive ADHD, I'm terrified as to whether or not he will be ready for adulthood by the time he's 18. But what about our trickier kids, the ones who not only can't seem to make a good decision, but who also seem to replace good decisions with bad ones? How do we get our kids ready for adulthood so they're ready when adulthood sets in? So I know that there are a lot of parents out there who don't care if their kids move out of the house or even prefer that their kids don't move out of the house. But some of us have kids who are, hmm, let's say they have a higher than average likelihood of making poor choices lifelong. And we know that at 18, that kid is going to be 100% responsible for their choices that very birthday. And if crime is big enough, they could even be responsible before that birthday. But the truth is, we all want our kids to be ready for adulthood, don't we? I mean, is there really a parent out there who's telling themselves, you know, I know my child's going to be 18 one day, but I really want them to be way behind in life and never make it anything successful. Because if there is a parent like that, then maybe they need this podcast more than the kids. (laughs) But I'll tell you how I started shifting my mindset. So for any of you who have a child with reactive attachment or disinhibited social engagement disorder, I feel confident in guessing that there has been at least one moment where one of the two following things have happened. Number one, you've counted down the days or years until your child is 18. Or number two, you have been terrified of the day your child turns 18 because you know they're not ready and you know they're going to be held accountable for their terrible actions. So now I've been a parent long enough to know that some kids will be themselves no matter what their parents try to do. This can be naughty kids that have supportive parents or streamlined kids that have terrible parents. So when I give you these pieces of advice, know that this It's just something that seems to have worked with us so far. So the first thing to do is to talk to your child about being an adult. And my first section that I have here is trajectory. When my first child hit nine years old, I had this weird freak out moment where I realized I had hit the halfway point of parenting this child. And if you include the fact that she's going to become more autonomous as she gets older, then I was more than halfway through. But time-wise, I was halfway and I was terrified. And I was like, oh my gosh, have I taught her everything that she needs to be halfway to adulthood? 
Well, one day she's throwing a tantrum and she has massively high anxiety and she at the time still threw some pretty good tantrums. And I remember saying, you're halfway to being an adult. Do you feel like you're halfway to be ready living on your own and making it through your own life? (laughs) She's mad. So she's like, no. And so I admit, you know, most nine-year-olds really are not halfway ready. But I think most of the growth, you know, it happens after nine, but I saw a shift in her. Just putting the idea in her head gave her a loose time frame and a reason to stop being so childish about life. Now, don't forget, this is my responsible one. So when we're putting it all into frame, this is my responsible one. (laughs) So don't worry. She still has childish parts about her. I still have childish parts about me. I don't expect perfection from her, but really great for both of us that she has this awareness. So the second section I have is consequences. Now this was really hard for my reactive attachment disorder child. But one of the best things that you can teach your kid is that their actions have consequences. They can be positive, they can be negative, but there will be outcomes to their decisions. With my reactive attachment disorder child, who has a hard time with this, I have put in a ton of work on getting her to understand that when you punch someone, you get a punishment. Or when you break something of someone else's, you're going to have to replace it. And as much as we want to take these consequences away from people, because consequences make people feel bad, or, or we don't think they're a big deal... There are some consequences in life that you're not going to be able to outrun. So for example, if you're a horrible partner, you're not going to have long, positive, happy relationships. Uh, If you eat like a junk monster, you're not going to have good, positive, happy, healthy days. You're going to have physical consequences. If you spend all of your money, you're not going to have any money left. And if you run a red light and you hit someone with your car, you're going to be held accountable for that action. I think you get the idea. So teaching your kids now is going to help them in the future. And I know what you parents of teens are thinking. I know you're saying, but they never listen to me. If I tell him he's going to have to deal with it, he does not care. And I'm going to tell you, parents, it's okay. You do your part and you make sure that your bases are are covered because I can assure you that if that child gets in trouble and the authorities find out you didn't warn them of all the consequences, then you're going to be part of the consequences. But secondly, there's also like a really petty part of me that looks forward to the I told you part because I am a little bit more petty than I would like to admit. So the next section I have is habits, starting your child on understanding habits. And I think I've stated before that my second child has inattentive ADHD and he can get distracted by a bird flying by a window and he will get distracted by a screen. It doesn't matter where the screen is. It could be showing through a neighbor's window. It could be someone's watch. If a screen is on, he will be distracted by it. And I swear it like empties his brain. He has no idea what he was doing before. So I tell him so. 
And I'd like to say that I've never yelled this, but I most definitely have, though I would recommend to myself and to all other parents that this information is best delivered just as information, not emotional. You can point out their shortcomings in a way that allows them to see the areas that they need to improve on while still feeling like they're benefit to the world. And what this looks like at our house is, hey, buddy, I asked you to get into your pajamas and you got distracted by screens again. What are we going to do when you have a job and a family and someone turns on a screen? You have to be able to walk by it without getting distracted. So what are you going to do to make sure you get things done? that have been asked of you, even if there's a screen on. So this approach, which of course is going to be different for every parent and every child, it lets him know that there is a problem. So he's able to define the problem. He's able to recognize that there is an opportunity for a solution while also putting the responsibility of finding the solution on him. If I ban him from screens, which I have, he is still pulled into them like a moth to the flame. If he isn't allowed in the room with the TV, that's fine. I get to do that. I'm his parent. But he is the one who needs to recognize that there needs to be a change. If he comes up with the solution, then there's nothing to push back against. But there is everything to hold him accountable. So for example, if he says, then I'll take my clothes upstairs and I'll change upstairs. You, as the parent, if you agree to that decision, then if he doesn't change upstairs or if you catch him in front of the TV again, you can hold him accountable for not doing what he determined was the best outcome. So this works really well for my defiant children because the kids soon start to see that they aren't following what they should. And they see it because they're seeing that they're breaking their own rule. And that gives you as the parent, a little leeway in their minds when you get mad at them. Because you can be like, hey, you know that you don't do this. I know that you don't do this. Instead of fighting over whether or not you do this, which happens a lot at our house, let's just figure out how to deal with the fact that you do this and what we're going to do about it. So when they inevitably fail the first few times, you can open up and talk about habits. So I'll say something like, you can have bad habits and you can have good habits. But if you don't start working on the better habits, then you're going to be stuck way behind in becoming an adult. Your blankety blank years from becoming a grown up. Do you want to have these bad habits when you're financially in charge of yourself? Or would you like to work on these while you have a family structure that you rely on? If you can work on the better habits while your child is at home, all the better for them. And if you can teach them personal accountability, that is, of course, huge. So the next section I have is skills. If you think about it, the world is filling up with young people who are not willing to take responsibility for their actions. They don't want to work. There's so many TikToks and things out there of people who are saying that they don't want to work and that they would rather everyone else worked for them. So if you can teach your child skills, then you're going to be putting them ahead of tons of other children. Now, even your really difficult kids are going to be in a better position 
than kids who think other people should do their work for them. So when you teach your kids coping skills mentally and other skills, it's just going to make a world of better difference for them in the future. Now I'm going to reference a book here. Amy Morin wrote a book called 13 Things Mentally Strong Parents Don't Do. And I like this book. May I'll probably do a book report, a book review about it. Uh, but she has this chapter, chapter eight. And it says, uh, the, the things that parents don't do is they don't shield their child from pain. And this one was a really hard one for me to learn because I had a pain growing up and I didn't want my children to have pain. It was hard. And some things took years to mentally recover from. But I also wanted to protect my kids from physical pain because I'd had physical pain and I'd had mental pain and I wanted to do everything in my power to protect my kids from that. That seemed like that seemed like the best thing a mother could do. But it took me a long time to realize that one of the reasons I was as strong as I was is because I knew I could make it through hard things because I had experienced hard things. So on page 184 of this book, she has a list of unhealthy parenting habits that can hurt your kids more than help them. And one of them is lying or withholding information. I'm going to read to you this straight from the book because I think it's good. But it says, a mother tells her daughter, she's giving an example. A mother tells her daughter that the doctor said her weight is healthy, even though the doctor said the child is overweight. Now I know, I don't know how to approach this. I This is terrifying to me. I have a daughter who doesn't enjoy eating because she doesn't want to get fat. These things are really complicated and scary and you don't want to damage your child in any way. But it's also not healthy to tell her that she's just fine. So she has the second one here, manipulating the outcome. A, so- a father Let's his son beat him at chess so he's not going to feel bad if he loses. <laughs> you guys, sometimes it's okay to lose on purpose and sometimes it's okay to win on purpose. Setting strict limits. There are parents who worry about their child may get hurt. Oops, I read that wrong. Um, playing sports so they never let them try out for the team. Or in- enabling. A mother doesn't want her teenage son to have to endure nicotine withdrawal. So they buy cigarettes for him. Doing things for kids. A mother cleans the garage, even though it's her son's chore because she doesn't want him to have to do it. Now, I have definitely done this one before. And my motivation wasn't because I didn't want him to have to do it. My motivation was because I didn't want to have to watch him and tell him every piece that he had to do. But still, I was definitely enabling my child, whom I love, even with all faults and flaws distracting. A parent races from one activity to the next to keep the child from feeling sad when a dog dies. I think in small amounts, any of these, except for the nicotine, I'm absolutely against that one. Um, I think some of these are going to happen and, and some of these are good, but, but the whole point of it is in the next, she has a next heading and it says shielding kids from pain teaches them that they can't handle discomfort. And that's what I think the biggest lesson is of this whole chapter is we have participation trophied ourselves as parents 
to participation trophy our kids. So not only do our kids have no idea how strong they are, but we as parents have no idea how strong our kids are. Most of the restrictions, as I look back, that I put on my kids were at least in part because I didn't want to have to watch them have a hard time. I didn't want to watch my kid get hurt. I didn't want to watch them go through hard things. I didn't want to watch them at the park when I can see that this relationship with the other kids at the park is not going well. And I didn't want my kid to think that she was the problem. And so I jump in and I adjust things. And and I never gave my chance to the kids. I never gave my kids the chance to know that they're going to learn something from failure and hard situations. I never gave them the chance to learn at all. And these are some really critical lessons that all of us learned growing up. And I think that we forget that it's a disservice to our kids to not let them experience these difficult things. But when it comes to skills Mental skills are not the only important skills to prep your child to become an adult. There are practical skills too, and one of which is cleaning themselves. Now, some of you probably come from a very clean household. You might have children who enjoy showering and are like, hey, you know, I might smell. Let me take care of that. (laughs) But If you look at the parent support pages for reactive attachment disorder, there are tons of kids who just don't care if they're stinky. And you can walk up to them and you can say, you know, hey, you know, the stinky kid in class, do you want to be the stinky kid? And it's not going to make any difference to them. And my husband said once, he's like, yeah, well, once the other kids start talking, they'll get the message, you know. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I get it. But it, teaching your child the importance of being clean is it's going to help them in the future because we all know that anybody who is the gross, stinky adult is not going to get the job, is not going to get far in things that they probably might have skills for. So keeping themselves clean and presentable. The second skill that is incredibly crucial to becoming an adult is common courtesy. Parents, please, 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 please do not leave TikTok to teach your child common courtesy. You get to parent however you want, but I would never give TikTok to my most stable child. And I would never, ever, ever, ever give it to my less stable children. And I do have to say my oldest is 13. So of course, things are different with different ages. But these kids are only going to learn common courtesy from you. So give them a heads up in the world and teach them common courtesy and basic social skills. So number three, budgeting. Number three of this little section that I added. (laughs) Why number three? I don't know. But budgeting. This is a really important one for me. I love this one. So if your child is over the age of three, you can already start teaching them about the value of money. So simple phrases like, sorry, we can't afford that, can go for miles in your child's future. If your child wants something and they don't get something and they realize that life's okay, you have just taught them a life skill that will be 
incredible to them when they're an adult. So many, many parents don't want their kids to know how poor they are. I grew up in a poorer area, so I lucked out. Nobody had anything. And anybody who did kind of have something had a job to earn the money to buy that thing. But do you know what's worse than being poor? Being less than poor. Being in massive amounts of debt because you have no idea how to handle your money. Because not only do you already have the stress of, oh my gosh, I don't have that thing that that some people have when they don't have money. But then you also have the additional stress of, and I assure you, it is no fun when you are like, I not only don't have that money, but I don't have that money for three months because I spent already those three months of money. And so if you have a child who's already easily dysregulated and you have a child who already can't see the end from the beginning, teaching them about the importance of money can be a dramatic difference between having a stable life and having an unstable life when they are an adult. So teach them about bills. Tell them about rent or mortgage. Tell them about who fixes the toilet when it breaks. You either fix it or you pay a bunch of money to have someone else fix it for you. So one of the things that we do at least once a year in my family is we go online and we look up an apartment and the rent to that apartment. We look up a car and the kids get to pick what car they want and, and we find out about the car payment and we talk about bills we talk about food. I have them fill up a cart at the grocery store online. You know how you can order things from certain grocery stores? We'll fill up a cart of food. I don't buy it, but they can buy, you know, pick out whatever they want and see how much that's going to cost. And then we talk about if there's breakfast and lunch and dinner and what you have to pay for. Um, we can also do that with fast food or restaurant food because you can also order a lot of that online. So the prices are there. We add insurance, we add medical, dental, we add in entertainment, we add in cell phone charges, anything that they want in a month or that has to be paid for in a month goes in. And then we leave that number over on the side and we talk about what kind of job they want to have. And then we look up what the job's average pay is. We see that, we take out the taxes We discuss the education that is needed for that job, if there is any education, and how much that would cost. And we see how much we'd need to pay for, like, we see how much we needed to pay for in that first number, and whether or not we can pay for it with the job that we have. This is a huge dose of reality that the internet gave them. Not you. They can't be mad at you. They can just see the reality. And if you can keep that reality in their mind over the years, then you can have a child who can understand that their outcome in life will have a whole lot more to do with their input in life than they think it does. A lot of kids, especially kids who have really difficult uh, viewpoints mentally, I don't know how to explain it, hard kids, when there's a lot of them who, who just can't see into the future and, and they just think, oh, whatever comes, whatever comes. So being able to teach them that they have a, an actual ability to change their life for the better can be 
a really important piece of knowledge to become an adult. So the last thing I have in this section is legal matters, a skill here. I'm not sure if it really fits as a skill, but I am going to say it is absolutely critical, especially with these stinker kids who get into a lot of trouble, that they learn that they are going to be legally responsible for their actions at the age of 18. Now, the last thing that kind of ties in here is the quality of life. Quality of life. In relation to budgets, it's an important lesson to learn. And the last thing I wanted to talk about is quality of life. So an important lesson to learn is that the chances of you having a great quality of life with low life quality effort is pretty low. And since it's not zero, a surprising number of people still aim for low life effort with and wanting a high quality outcome. But putting in the work is the best way to ensure that you're going to be able to take care of yourself. And so reminding your kids, you don't need to have a glamorous life in order to have a good quality life is really important. I mean, one of the things I bring up to my kids is the Kardashians. They don't really know the Kardashians, but they have everything money can buy. And it hasn't really made their life easy. They've still had really difficult things in their life. Because when you have a child that has narcissistic, selfish tendencies that can often come with difficult kids, one of the biggest influencers on them is letting them know that you get what you build. So for some of us, that's a really hard lesson. But man, that can be amazing motivation for a selfish child for a narcissistic child, because they'll want something and they'll want more and they'll want better. And if you can guide them to a place where you can say, hey, you are completely responsible for the outcome of your decisions. If you choose to do illegal things, then you're not going to get the outcome that you want. If you choose to do bad things, you are not going to get that outcome. And one of the bigger motivators for my tricky kid is to get the biggest best thing that she possibly can. And every time she does something wrong, that thing gets a little bit smaller and a little bit less shiny and a little bit less of whatever it was. And so she finds herself incredibly motivated by those things. So teaching your kid quality of life depends on their actions can be a really important piece of the puzzle. But however it is that you decide to raise your kids, we're not raising kids, right? We're raising adults. It just takes 18 years. I wish you the best. Thanks so much for joining.